a new series. So this is uh, exciting. We're going to be starting in 1 Timothy. Um, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those and go over to 1 Timothy. We'll be right in chapter 1. Um, and as I was uh, working on and um, just praying over uh, this new series, uh, I, was, I was trying to think of the ideas and things that God was um, bringing to my mind. And I kept coming back to this um, in 1 Timothy, uh, this idea of enduring faith. Uh, we experience a lot of things in life, and I know we just got done with asking the why questions, um, but at times it seems like on this uh, way of life we're on a roller coaster. Sometimes it seems like we're in a car. Sometimes it seems like we're just on a set of train tracks. And so um, I found this uh, graphic just with a guy walking down the train tracks. And if you've ever looked at kind of just the lengths of roads and train tracks and different things, uh, I came across... Um, a, uh, a historical piece on the Transcontinental Railroad. I don't know if you've learned anything about that in the past, uh, but the Transcontinental Railroad, when it was built, uh, was the longest railroad of its kind. It was finished in 1869, and it was the longest stretch of track in the world at the time. Now, other countries and different places in the world have built longer stretches of track, but the United States still has the, the largest amount of train tracks uh, still in use. I'm just transport goods and things like that. And so in the same way, as we, you know, we think about life, many times we feel like we're on different kinds of tracks. We're in the ups and downs. Uh, we're on a straight path. Uh, we know we're heading one direction, and we're all in different phases, too. I love talking to um, each of you, just kind of the different places you're at. I know right now, um, for Christy and I, we've got little kids, and we've got another kid on the way. Some of you have, which you know, it's like, yeah, that's a, oh man, that was a busy time, it is. And uh, so for some of you, you have teenagers, and you're doing the whole like sports thing, like you're going around all the different activities, and there's busyness in that. Um, some of you are in the phase where kids have uh, moved away, and or they've gotten married themselves, and now you find yourself maybe taking care of aging parents. And so wherever you're at, um, there's things that is when we look at First Peter, we're going to see we have this ability to uh, help each other. Um, to offer each other, and we should be doing that, and we should be looking alongside each other as one of us is on uh, one phase of the tracks while another one is at a different place. Um, and I want, to, want you guys to know that um, each and every one of you, as I have conversations with you, um, you you've helped me see perspective um, in a variety of different ways in these different places that we're at. Um, so I hope we can all meet in the same place today as we talk about First Peter. Um, just a few things to know about First Peter. Uh, Paul was writing this letter, and he was actually writing it to—he was writing it to Timothy. Sorry, First Timothy. Uh, and when he's writing this uh, letter, um, he's writing it to Timothy. So this individual, this uh, son in the faith, is what he's going to be talking about. And Paul himself, he's um, writing from this perspective, also writing to the church. When we look at First Timothy, we. Uh, we think, yeah, like that it was written to Timothy, you know, it was great encouragement. He was just giving him instruction. Uh, but maybe what you didn't know is that this letter would have been uh, read aloud in front of the whole church. So as Timothy's being given this instruction, kind of marching orders for the church, Paul is also instructing the church on how to receive that instruction. So everybody's, everything's very transparent. Uh, everything's very upfront there. Um, Paul, who was the one who spent over three years in Ephesus, in this church that Timothy's now pastoring, is trying to help both sides of the equation. He's trying to help church leadership. He's trying to help the people understand what a healthy church looks like, um, how a church should grow. And he's trying to help this young pastor. Praise God for Timothy, and it's his, uh, it's his uh, first assignment, um, so as you can imagine, um, 
tend to relate to him a little bit when I was reading this, and uh, I thought, man, you know, Timothy, he really, he really needed a lot of help, and he really needed some direction here. And so it wasn't that he didn't know the Word, it wasn't that he didn't um, know what he was supposed to be doing, but sometimes it helps to have that Paul person in your life who's given a little bit of direction, given a little bit of help. And so that's what Paul's doing here. And you may not have known this about uh, Timothy, but Timothy comes from a kind of a mixed background. Timothy's dad was not a believer. He was a Gentile. And uh, Timothy's mom and grandmother, Lois and Eunice, they were uh, really solid Christian believers. And so uh, when uh, Paul's coming through this place called Lystra, uh, Timothy's there. He's, he's with his family and his mom and his grandmother. They believe. And then they help Timothy as they're kind of raising him up in the faith. And Paul's going to come through again. So he goes through on this first missionary journey, and then he, he grabs Timothy, and he goes, Timothy, I want you to go with me. I think God has set you up for a specific purpose. And so in this uh, kind of second part of Timothy's journey, uh, if you look throughout the book of Acts, you see that Paul takes Timothy along, and he's with him for most of that time period. And then we come to this place in First Timothy where Timothy has just started. Um, to pastor this church, and um, I have a feeling that not a lot of people believed in him, and it was a diff- difficult setting as well. It was a difficult cultural setting. So as he starts to lead, he's in this place in Ephesus, which was a huge um, area of transport. There was a lot of people kind of coming in and out, and more than that, they had the one of the seventh ancient wonders of the world there in Ephesus, the Temple of Artemis. And so if you know what the Temple of Artemis was, is this temple that was dedicated as this, uh, to the fertility goddess, Artemis. And uh, there were a lot of things that went on there that were not good, right? So there was temple prostitution, there was um, sacrifice and offerings being made to uh, a god that did not exist. So, uh, and this was part of the culture. So they would go there and uh, we're, we're going to go there and, uh, and worship this uh, Temple goddess. Um, she's going to give us special knowledge. So for the, um, for the ladies, uh, the, uh, this temple was used for uh, them to kind of come in and go like, ladies, God, this te- Artemis, this you know, female goddess has got some special knowledge for you. So you come in, and uh, the, when you come, you're going to receive a special word that, that nobody else is going to be able to receive. Uh, and so for the men, you can kind of see how this kind of messed up like family relationships too. So the, the wife would maybe go in and receive special knowledge that um, when she would go home, she, there's just some things that I know and I've heard that like you don't know. And, and furthermore, I think I should be the one leading our family. And so that was going on. And at the same time, on the, on the male side of things, this temple was used for temple prostitution. And so uh, at the same time, guys would be going, well, like, I'm going to go to the temple, and uh, I'm going to be there, and I'm going to worship my own way. And so I won't get into that, but so there were these two different things competing in culture that was really kind of destroying the family unit. And Timothy, is going like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> what am I supposed to do here? There's a lot of rough stuff going on. And so Paul gives him some direction. I think he's going to give us some direction too. And this, and so uh, we come to this first fill in the blank. It's the foundation of relationships, um, and you can fill that out. Should be up on the screen. First Timothy one one through two is what we'll look at. Is this foundation of relationships, and we all have different relationships. They kind of help us along the way, or at least they should. Um, we'll look at two different people or two different types of people that we can have in our life. Uh, that when Paul's talking to the church, he's he's trying to help them understand who he is but also the kind of relationships that we should have as we look at this, really this main focus of false teachers. Um, Timothy was, he was in this place where there was a lot of ideas, there was a lot of other ideology and things that were going on that were very contrary to the gospel and to the family unit. 
And so Timothy here is going like, what do I do? We've got a lot of people in the church. Um, and Paul himself actually said before, he said, when I leave, this is in the book of Acts, we'll look at this a little bit later. Uh, when I leave the church in Ephesus, I know there's going to be these ravenous wolves. They're going to come in. They're going to try to lead people astray. And they're going to do these things that are going to affect the church. They're going to they're lead you astray. So I want to give you some direction here. And so in this first fill-in-the-blank foundation of relationships, in verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God, our Savior, and Christ Jesus, our hope. Um, Timothy was in this setting as a young pastor. And as you can imagine, sometimes that might be difficult. Not just because of the cultural setting or the historical setting. It would not have been common for a guy that was Timothy's age. He was probably in his 30s to early 40s at the most when he first started uh, pastoring this church. Uh, and Paul knew that. And so what Paul's trying to do for we're really all the churches that he's started and then he left uh, is place people who he knew were going to be saw the leaders. And he knew that Timothy was, but he knew he was going to need a little bit of extra help in this space of credibility. Uh, and so um, one of the things he did was when he starts this, there's a reason he's saying this to the church. So somebody's going to be reading this letter uh, up in front of the church of Ephesus, and Timothy, who's the pastor there, is, is going to be standing there. Okay, you know, what is, what is Paul going to say? He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. Um, so he wants the people to understand, hey, this, this letter's coming from me. Uh, I want you to um, trust in Timothy. I'm sending this to you. I sent him to you to begin with. And so I want you to allow him to lead. And I wonder, I think for a lot of us, um, it's difficult, especially in our cultural setting, because um, most of what the world says right now is you are your own authority, right? Um, you are the person who knows the best for your life, and there's really nobody else that can tell you what would be better. And so Paul, in the very beginning of this, he's not only giving Timothy credibility, but he's also helping the people understand, hey, you, you trust me so much, so I need you to trust Timothy. And there should be other people in our lives as well. Like, I know we come here and we're like, I hope we hear a good word, right? <laughs> yeah. So hopefully that's the case, but hopefully it's just God's word and what he's laid on my heart to share with you. But there should be other people that like that relationship that Timothy had with Paul. I mean, do you remember how this started? Timothy, he's not got a lot of good things going for him. He's, he's got a dad. He does, he's a Gentile. He's not going to become a believer. He's got a, a good set of a mom and a grandmother who are going to help lead him in the right direction. But Paul picks Timothy up, probably a guy who's not going to be a leader in any other capacity. He's probably maybe got some anxiety issues, maybe some issues of not even trusting his own ability to lead because he's got a dad who's saying like, you know, following Jesus, I don't know about that. You can imagine the confidence issues that he might have had. And so Paul, he's, he's bolstering him up here, but he's also saying, hey, I'm with Timothy and I've sent him here. So the question is, do we have the kind of relationships in our lives where we have somebody, and if you don't, start looking for someone. Uh, if you don't have this person in your life, it would be maybe be that, like that Paul. So as Paul sends Timothy, he's going, hey, I'm, I'm sending like this guy, he's like my child in the faith. Is there anybody that you could say in your life right now that you look to as somebody who's maybe more like that, that father, that mother figure in the faith who can encourage you, who can build you up, um, who can go, this is my child in the faith, and who can help you? I don't know. Maybe you don't. I hope that you do, but I think we need to be looking for those relationships. So, And right off the bat, as Paul starts this, he's encouraging the church. He wants to remind them about the kind of relationships that they should have. And the second verse here, it says, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God 
the Father, and Christ Jesus, our Lord. So now my question for you as we read this is, is there somebody in your life? Because the relationship's laid out really clear here right from the beginning. Paul's sending him. you got Timothy. And Paul, Timothy's going to be the pastor of the church. He is the pastor of the church. Uh, and Timothy trusts Paul, and the church trusts Paul. And they're sending Timothy to him. So is there anybody in your life that maybe you would consider a Timothy? And maybe you've heard that before. Do you have a Paul in your life? Do you have a Timothy in your life? Um, We should have somebody, most of us should have someone, um, and for sure it should be your kids, but maybe there's somebody else in your life that you can invest in. Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe it's somebody who's kind of just started this journey of faith or somebody who's struggling. And, And maybe you don't even like think about it like that, but maybe there is somebody or there's even a couple of people that as you read this, you're going like, yeah, there is somebody. There's that relationship that I have with that person who's like a Paul in my life. There's a relationship that I have with somebody who's, I think, a Timothy in my life. Somebody who maybe I've just been, maybe you're in the same age as you or maybe a little bit older. That's okay too because uh, we come to you know, this journey of faith that we're talking about, this enduring journey of faith. Uh, and some of us maybe came to faith a little bit later in life and you're going like, man, I'm a little bit older, but like, I'm still trying to figure this thing out. And maybe somebody who's maybe a few years younger than you can come alongside you too and help you. So uh, this relationship here that Paul has with Timothy and, and the church, it should help us understand that we, uh, we should have this ability to remove the pride from our lives and say, unlike the culture, unlike the rest of the world that the church of Ephesus was dealing with as well, I am not my own authority. And the church would have heard what Paul was saying and going like, yes, like we're going to do that. They trusted his authority. And Paul wanted them to trust Timothy as well. So that's my question. So as we start this out, what kind of relationships do you have? Um, and surely with people in this room, we should have that encouragement building up. Uh, but do you have some of those specific relationships where you trust somebody in your life um, to give you a word of encouragement or even a word of correction too? And so we'll see some of that um, in the text today as well. Uh, and so the question is, do we trust anybody else? I think it's hard right now. There's been a lot of um, uh, uh, lack of trust, right? Um, or I, I'm the only person that can decide what's best for me. Um, and as we start, a lot of these letters, like uh, what Paul says to the churches, he normally gives an introduction, he tells them who he is, uh, normally gives some sort of warm introduction. But right here, he just talks about this relationship. He goes, I'm Paul. I'm sending, uh, I'm sending this guy to you. Uh, and uh, Timothy, my child in the faith. Um, it's a special relationship that he has. Um, and we've got to start there because we have to have a foundation. So if we're going to walk through this life and have this enduring faith, we've got to have this foundation of relationships. And some of the most important that we can have throughout life are the ones where we have that Paul who can help us, who can give us instruction, who can give us encouragement and correction at times too. Um, and then that Timothy. Maybe it's your kids, but maybe it's that person that you work with who's struggling. Maybe it's the um, person you come in contact with at the grocery store, the teller, whoever. Maybe somebody that just needs a regular um, word of help or encouragement. Um, and so I was actually, uh, to, uh, this week, we had a number of things going on, just different doctor's appointments and stuff, and uh, we went to um, Hospital Buffalo uh, General, which is a place we'd been before um, when Christy had her seizures, and that's the place I wanted to go back to <laughs> super soon. Um, but we went back, and we were able to get an MRI, so we were doing the whole brain MRI thing for Christy, um, just following up with seizures, and um, so we did that, and I had the girls, which is always a really fun time. And um, so we went to, uh, she was there at the hospital, um, we went to uh, Dunkin' Donuts and we were hanging out, um, and there was a guy who came in, it was pretty sparse, there was a guy who came in um, 
and he looked a little discouraged, and um, he came right up to us. So I'm there sitting with my girls, and so anytime like a stranger comes up to me and I got my girls, I'm like, I immediately go into, you know, defense mode. I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you here? Right, and back up a little bit, right? Uh, So I was doing that, and he said, hey, I just had this question, like, and kind of strange, but he said, are are both these girls yours? And I said, yeah, they they are. Yeah, they belong to me. Um, And uh, he goes, I just wanted you to know, um, I said, it's been a a rough day. Um, What I didn't know is that this gentleman was um, a physician for the hospital, and he had lost somebody that day, and uh, he, he said, and I, I saw your girls in the window. They, they kept getting up. I'm trying to get them to eat, right? You know, like, eat, eat something. And they're out the window, like, waving at people, like, ay, ay, as they're coming in. He said, it was a really hard day. When I, when I saw them, I thought to myself, they're waving and smiling at me. He goes, there must still be a God. And uh, we got to have a good conversation after that. I won't share the rest of it with you. But he was having a tough time, and he was a guy who believed in God, but um, was looking for some hope and was looking for some encouragement that day. And you never know, um, these kind of relationships we have on a regular basis, there will be those people too that, um, like the church in Ephesus, um, they had some issues. They had some people that were coming in, they were teaching wrong things. And I know some of them were just like, they're like, with everything that's going on, is there still a God? Is there still somebody who cares? Um, and I got to have a conversation with this guy. He's like, these girls, they gave me hope today. Um, so that's good. You never know um, what will give people hope and what will encourage them and, and the connections that we can have. Uh, and so I um, just want to share that uh, with you. And so the second fill in the blank is uh, foundation of love. So we've got this foundation of relationships. Sometimes we don't even know um, who we're going to come, come in contact with. Somebody's going to come up to us and we're like, why are you here? You know, Because uh, that's the mode that we're in right now. Always it seems like defense mode. Um, but you never know how you can encourage somebody um, with this foundation of relationships that we start here in the church first. Um, giving hope to others. And so then we have this foundation of love. So foundation of relationships, foundation of love. Um, And and this is where you have to come back to, because I think sometimes we can get jealous or we can get hateful or we can be like, you know, why are you here? Why are you telling me that? Um, Sometimes we can even go to someone who's trying to speak to us in love in the church or maybe who is that Paul in our life. And and we're like, you know, you can't tell me what to do. (laughs) You shouldn't tell me what to do. We're not as receptive to those kind of things. But here's how we should approach the situation, because... Paul knew, like he said in the book of Acts, before he left Ephesus, there's going to be these ravenous wolves, and they're going to come in, and they're going to try to cause dissension. They're going to say things that aren't true. They're going to try to get people to devote themselves to myths and genealogies and other stuff that, that in the end, if they're not centered on the gospel, don't matter. So here's what he says. In verse 3, as I urge you, when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrines. So what was part of Timothy's job? It was loving correction. Um, and, and just so you know, as part of the pastor, and what I do is, is loving correction. And you should have people as an extension of your life. Like I shouldn't be the only one that says things that you're like, oh, wow, like we should, th- we should think about that. There should be other people. So that's why we start with relationships. And then we go to this foundation of love that Paul wants to remind Timothy about. As I urge you, when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. You can imagine how Timothy might have felt. He's like, I'm like, so of the leadership, of the religious leadership in the context of that community in Ephesus, there would have been nobody who was that age, like in their 30s to early 40s maybe, um, who was in a position of authority, especially in a religious position of authority. And so the, the cool thing here is that when the, when the uh, early church starts, when the new covenant starts, when the new church starts, 
there's this opportunity for this expanse of people to be involved in leadership. And I'm really excited, actually, in about a month, um, we'll have our students come and lead worship and share um, out of God's Word. Uh, and so as I think about those things, there's, there's really no limits on God's ability to um, speak to us. You know, we had our ladies here yesterday, um, had a lot of great speakers that were on the screen, and uh, I know the ladies learned a lot, but I didn't like Andy said, too, I heard some things. I was like, wow, that was really good. So, um, and we need to be doing that for each other. So we have these relationships, we have this foundation of love, and Paul knows, unless it's in love, unless it's communicated in the right way, then we won't receive it, okay? But our hearts need to be open, too. Uh, and so here, uh, I want to point your attention to Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20. Um, I just want to read this passage. It talks about these false prophets, false teachers, kind of helps us um, move in this direction of relationships and love. It says in 15, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from a thorn bush or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So this word of encouragement from the Lord that there's this way that we need to um, view others and view the church and, and see that there, there are these things we should be doing. We should be growing. We should be bearing fruit. There should be an outward evidence of our inward faith. And sometimes we need to be able to say to somebody else or to that Timothy, hey, that's not quite right. Let me help you with that. One of the hardest things um, that I have to do is have some of those kind of conversations. And, and the same thing for Timothy. While he's interacting, while he's working in the church, um, he has the opportunity to do this, to this loving correction. So Paul's given him this direction, but he wants the church as a whole to know that although it may not be popular, right? It may not be popular to say, let's make an adjustment or let's do this a little differently. Let's think about this. What did Paul know? When he was sending Timothy, he's like, there are these, there's people who are there, right? Um, that may not be communicating the truth. And so we always want to be on guard for that. You know, I don't think this is a church that that has that in its midst, midst currently, but there are a lot of churches that struggle with this. And so this is a good reminder for us. How do we approach these situations? Well, with right relationships, we need to have Timothy's, we need to have Paul's, because it's easy to get off the rails, right? Um, it's easy to get derailed, and sometimes we just need somebody to encourage us. Um, so we need to have those relationships. In the same way, we need to be encouraging others, and we need to have those Timothy's in our life that we can do that with. We need to do it in love. So Paul says, uh, well, actually, there's an account here in Acts 20 um, where um, uh, Paul talks about this, and it's in Acts 20, 29. Uh, it says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves. Interesting the language that Paul uses after Jesus uses that in Matthew. Uh, he says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Remember that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish every one of you with tears. So Paul cares about these people, doesn't he? He cares about the people in Ephesus. I mean, every church that he went to, but he spent a a larger time in Ephesus than he did in any other church. So over three years, and he's telling them, hey, got to be on the lookout, right? We got to be aware of what sound doctrine is. We have to have these relationships, and we have to have this foundation of love. And so in verse 4, and we've got to be good stewards too, so what, is, uh, what does he say here? It says in verse 4, uh, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculation rather than stewardship from God that is by faith. 
So what do we need to be focused on? Which promote speculation rather than stewardship. So what are the things that make us speculate or make us think or make us wonder? Right? Well, you turn on the TV, you won't have to wait too long to find something that might make you speculate or might make you wonder, might even make you sad. There's not a lot of encouragement on the news, but uh, when, when you turn that on, you might hear something. Um, I remember, and of course this was me reading about it because um, I wasn't around then, but I remember reading about the space race. Right? So between the United States and the Soviet Union, uh, and some of you will remember when um, we were trying to get into space and then we were trying to get to the moon, right? So there was that battle going on. Uh, and some people said after this televised you know, event of man landing on the moon, the United States did that, so they beat the Soviet Union. And after this happened, there were people that started saying, yeah, I think that didn't happen. <laughs> or uh, I think it was made up. You know, in, in, the, in the United States effort to get to the moon, they were just like, you know, we cannot let them get, you know, we cannot let them win this. So let's film it <laughs> in a studio. <laughs> And, uh, and But yet a lot of people ran with that, right? So if that's you, I'm sorry. You know, I believe that man landed on the moon, okay? So but there are those things that go on, those myths and those speculations, those things that make us think, and what ends up happening? We normally will hear those, and then we'll go, if that's not true, well, what about that? <laughs> if that's not true, what about this? And so these things in our mind, they just start running because at times we tend to focus on what pops up on the news, right? We get worried. There's this speculation in our minds, and we have anxiety. And it seems like it's been a, a lot worse recently, hasn't it? Um, I We were at an event. I won't say where. Um, <laughs> I don't want to give it away or say who it was. But we were at an event, and um, I was helping out um, with what was going on. It was a Christian event. And uh, we we were um, kind of going around like people were in masks. You were supposed to. And um, so we asked a group of people, can you you know, put on some masks. Um, so as part of the leader, you know, helping with this group, Christian group, um, trying to follow the rules of the institution, right? Because we all went in places we were like, I don't want to have to wear a mask, but I will because, you know, I'm trying to you know, be obedient and help out in the situation. Uh, and so, you know, I asked, hey, can you put one of those on? I know nobody wants to, but if you could, it'd be helpful. Uh, and so I, I had um, this individual who looked at me and said, COVID's not real. I was going like, uh, there's a lot of people who probably uh, beg to differ, right? But we, we get in these places and we get in these spaces where sometimes there are things that either we like better than what reality is or the truth is. Uh, sometimes we, we just hear something and we, we just run with it because maybe it makes us feel better than what the current situation is. And what Paul's trying to help the church understand is he, he goes, hey, there's sound doctrine, there's truth. And where does it come from? Well, it comes from God. And his word. And, and luckily for us, we have this absolute truth, source of moral authority, of truth, of ethical authority. So, what does he tell them? We've got to have this loving stewardship of the truth, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculation rather than stewardship from God. It is by faith. And so, what are we resting on here? Faith. Um, Ignatius, who was a church father, he said this about um, this issue. He said, you must not be panic-stricken by those who have an air of credibility, but who teach heresy. Stand your ground like an anvil anvil under the hammer. A great athlete must suffer blows to conquer. 
So what are we doing? You know, at times I think we feel like, especially as believers, like, man, the rest of the world is out to get us. Like, we're about the truth. Like, we're, we gather to this place. We listen to the word. Um, we want to be encouraged by that. We want to be built up. And hopefully we have those relationships, those Pauls and those Timothy type of relationships. Um, but at times, too, it does. It feels like, man, we are working against the world. There's a lot of other ideas out there. There's things that are being thrown at us. And people are saying, well, you can't say that there's one true God. But what do we know? Well, that is the truth. And Paul's going, like, don't move. Don't budge from that. Like Ignatius, he's going like, I mean, we, we need some help too. The early church fathers, they dealt with serious persecution. So they're not just like saying these kind of things like, like he did. He goes, what do you need to do? Stand your ground like an anvil under the hammer. What does a great athlete need to do to succeed? Well, he's going to have to suffer some blows, right, before he conquers. So we've got this foundation of love. What's the next part of love in the community? Um, in understanding who we are, Paul tells it to Timothy and to the church. It says, verse 5, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. A sincere faith. Wow, there's a lot of good stuff in here. So what's our aim? Well, it's got to be a loving one. What type of love? This love is the agape love. We see this throughout the New Testament. So when we see this word here in the Greek, it's the agape love, this unconditional love. So if we walk into this place, everything that we do, everything that we're about, everything that we're, when we leave this place too, that we're about expressing God's love should be unconditional, right? There's nothing that when we come in here, like we're trying to gain for ourselves. Like we're, and this isn't about being selfish. Like being a part of a community is difficult, isn't it? At times, we have these Paul-Timothy relationships and we have this foundation of relationships and of love. At times, it can be difficult. So what does Paul say? Well, the aim of our charge is unconditional love that issues from a what? A pure heart, a katharos in the Greek, a clean or completely uncorrupt. Now, who has a clean or completely uncorrupt heart in here? I don't. You don't? That's good to know, right? So we're on the same page, right? So Paul says, hey, we need to come from this perspective of having unconditional love that issues from a pure heart. Where do we get this from? Well, it comes from God. So we know he's come in and he's cleansing and he's purifying us. And while we're not perfect... He gives us this ability to have something special, right? I mean, when you go like other places like work or uh, maybe, maybe out, you have like a community you're a part of outside of this place, maybe a club or something. And, and when you go to those places, like it's different, isn't it? Like you don't feel this same type of unconditional love issues from a pure heart. And then he says a good conscience, a good conscience. And this word here in the Greek, it just means to distinguish between right and wrong. Like, we leave this place, and this is why Paul is reminding him, because he knows, hey, Timothy's in this tough place. He's in a tough spot, in a tough community, in a tough church, an area where people walk out the doors, and they're being told exactly the opposite of the gospel. They're being told exactly the opposite of, this is how family works. This is how your relationships with others should work. Um, Don't listen to anybody else. Nobody else can give you instruction or tell you what to do. You are your own source of authority. So Paul's going, hey, we we got to get this thing back on the rails. We got to have relationships, right? We got to have this foundation of love. Um, and then he says, of oh, this good conscience and a sincere faith, uh, anakripos in the um, Greek is this undisguised is what it is, the sincere faith. So undisguised, like why do we, you know, why do we come into this place? Why is Paul telling this to Timothy? Because there are a lot of people who are doing really shady things in this area. Like they walked out of the doors of that church and there was bad stuff going on, right? I know we walk out today and it's like, oh, it's sunny, you know, it's great. Like it's going to be an awesome day. And sometimes we make assumptions that like uh, the rest of the world is really 
you know, not out for themselves, really not selfish, is really not corrupt, but they are. And, and here he says you need to have this sincere faith, this faith that's um, not covered up, that's not masked. In fact, if you were to go into Ephesus, you would see a number of different things. And so, like the Temple of Artemis, um, there was a lot of places where people would go through and they'd have trade, uh, and there were um, a lot of people who made stuff, so like for our living. So there was pottery and there was cups and there was a lot of like clay stuff. And so one of the reasons Paul uses this is because it's also used for this idea of, of, of not having wax involved in something, like not having, like if you read this and you're going like, I think I've heard that before, it's because at the time in Ephesus and a lot of the trade areas when things would break, like let's say, you know, you've been in the grocery store, right? Uh, you know, you're going through and you're just trying to keep your kids in the car, like, please stop grabbing stuff, like that. There are things on the floor, no, you can't have that, put that back, right? So <laughs> when you're going through, it happens, right? Kids, kids knock something off of the shelf, right? Something breaks. Well, at the grocery store, they throw stuff away, right? Well, in Ephesus, when something like that happened, they'd be like, it's still good. <laughs> they'd pick it up, and they'd put it back together, and they'd use wax from a candle. They'd, like, you know, carefully put it back together into an untrained eye. It would seem like it was sincere. It was without wax. But here, Paul's saying, hey, you guys know what kind of shady stuff's going on, what people are doing the corrupt things that are going on, the disguised way people are masking products and things around you. And he says, we cannot be disguised. We need to be undisguised. We need to be truthful. And I think part of that is maybe just coming to this place where we're at, you know, because we, I think we leave or we come in here and it's been a tough week and we mask a lot of that stuff, right? And um, we put on like the mask of like, you know, put on the good Christian face and like don't, don't really share with it where we're at or don't you know, communicate things that we really need to be praying for each other about that we're struggling with. And, and Paul says we can't be about that. We've got to have this foundation of love, undisguised, uncorrupted, right? And then in verse 6, uh, we, we see what he says here. There's really just being aware of what's going on, uh, this loving awareness. Um, and so in verse 6 it says, Certain persons by swerving from these have wandered away into vain discussion. But sometimes it's subversive too. Sometimes there's just things that like creep in that we don't think about that we're like, uh, yeah, you know, I, that seems like a good idea, but is it really, does it really line up with God's word? There's a lot of ideas. And so the same way as Paul's writing to Timothy in this church, he knows that Timothy's going to walk out of those doors. All the people who belong to that church, they're going to walk out and they're going to need to know what the truth is. And they're going to need to be looking for not only within the church, the truth, we want to keep the truth central, but he says, certain persons by swerving from these have wandered away into vain discussion. So why wouldn't we want to address these kind of things? Why wouldn't we want to say, we don't want to swerve away? We don't want to. Maybe when we hear something, and I think we do it too, like even with like people who are friends who are believers, um, they'll say something, they'll be like, you know, yeah, that sounds good, um, but, it, but it may not be completely truthful. And so we need to have these relationships. We need to have this foundation of love. And I actually grabbed a quote from one of our uh, former presidents, because I think what we do in this space, too, is instead of being lovingly aware of what the truth is and, and not speaking life into situations, in a, in a loving way, by the way, okay, so we can't be about, like, beating people up, <laughs> especially if they don't know the truth, or maybe if they're more in infancy stage of Christianity, we have to be able to say, I think this is what you're trying to get at, or I think this is the truth here that you're trying to say. Um, Franklin D. Roosevelt, who was the 32nd president of the United States, um, he talked about this idea, and I think it's wrapped up in appeasement, right? We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but at the same time, we have to remember what the truth is. We can't depart from it. So here's what he said. Appeasement is the policy of feeding your friends to a crocodile, one at a time, 
in the hopes that the crocodile will eat you last. Yeah. Well, if you know anything about him, um, he was a great politician, right? He was a great leader. And he knew that if you don't stand up for what the truth is, if you don't stand up for what's right, and if something doesn't sound right, it's probably not. <laughs> Especially if you've been going to church for a while, you've been reading the scriptures yourself, and maybe you have some of those relationships with a Timothy, and you're just like, hey, wasn't quite right. And we do that with our kids all the time, but it's okay to do that in this setting too. It's okay to ask questions and say, what is really the truth? Because when we're just about this, these ideas, you know, things that Satan he whispers in our ears, things that maybe even sound right at times, we have to go back to this. We, we can't be about just appeasing everyone in every situation, even in our church too. It's not about creating decision, dissension, but it is about knowing what the truth is. So in verse 7, he continues this, being lovingly aware, right? Because we're loving each other, but we're also aware of what the truth is. It says in verse 7, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Um, so, man, teaching is hard, isn't it? I know we have a lot of teachers in the room. Raise your hand if you're like a teacher or, um, yeah, like anything associated with schools or that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we got teachers in the room. We got people associated with the school, whether that's like a PE or special education or music or art. I think we have like pretty good swath of people that are in the room. And when I was reading this, I was like, there's some people who desire to be teachers, right? Some people shouldn't be teachers. <laughs> uh, my, um, my parents um, were teachers. My dad was a coach for a long time. They're both retired now and taking care of my brother who's uh, disabled, uh, mentally disabled, his autism. Um, and I, I loved just watching them and the things that they did because they really had a heart for kids, right? Um, and it's hard to have. Like, if you don't, like, you shouldn't be teaching, and that should be pretty obvious. Well, there was a group of people who were even in the church who desired to be teachers of the law, but they didn't have understanding. Um, either what they were saying or the things about which they were making confident assertions, right? I know some of you, too, like during the whole COVID season, seems like we're still in, um, with somebody that is test positive, right? You can't go to work, so that's a week or two weeks or whatever your school's policy is, and you end up finding yourself filling other positions, right? I know many of you had to do that, and you're going like, this is difficult. This is a class like I don't normally teach, or it's like something like a subject that maybe I'm not as comfortable with. And so, uh, but kids notice that, don't they? They kind of saw the tension and things that were going on. They're like, you know, I know they're trying to do their best, but maybe not in this subject. And you're maybe probably saying the same thing. <clears throat> so in the same way, there were these people that were in the church. Paul knew. He said, hey, there are these ravenous wolves. Jesus knew it was going to happen to the church before. People have come in. They're saying things that aren't right. Maybe they're just being just slightly subversive or they're um, being subtle about it. And Paul said to Timothy, hey, you've got to be aware. We've got to be aware. We've got to have those relationships where we can talk about things, um, things that matter and what the truth is, and being able to lovingly correct. Uh, and so that's loving relationships that we have. Um, what about understanding? That's the last fill in the blank. Uh, foundation of understanding should be up there on the screen. That's the last few verses. It's really just about using the law rightly. So um, sometimes people like to take the law, and they like to, like, right now as we're going through the quiet time in Exodus, um, Moses, he's, he's, what is he doing? He's getting ready to receive the law. God's giving direction on, like, building the tabernacle, um, and everything's getting set up so that God's people can be in this right relationship with God, so they can commune with him, so they can have this connection to him. And Paul here, he's writing to the church about understanding the law rightly. And from our perspective in the New Testament, the New Testament church, uh, he says in verse 8, now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. 
Well, how true, right? The law is good, <laughs> only if we use it lawfully, right? Um, you've probably watched a documentary or seen something where somebody was in prison for a while. They got convicted of something. And of course, the whole time, you know, right? A lot of people in prison are going, I didn't do it. <laughs> and what does everybody say? Well, that's what everybody says. <laughs> but then we find at times, and in small cases, there's somebody who was placed there who, who maybe shouldn't have been there all along. And 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 years pass by and they get out because some new DNA evidence or something pops up. And, and that would be an example. Maybe the, the law not being used right, rightly, right? Or not lawfully. And so in the same way, uh, when Paul says to the church, he goes, now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. If somebody uses it rightly. If you're speeding, you get pulled over, you should get a ticket, right? right? That's being used lawfully. Um, so Paul wants the church to understand this. Don't use it in the wrong way. Don't try to tell people that, um, hey, we're, we're under the new covenant. We have freedom. We have grace. You know, don't tell people they can't eat certain things, right? That was a big struggle for them. Don't tell people they can't like live freely and invite other people to church. And did you know that God, he didn't just die. He didn't just send Jesus just for the Jewish people. He sent him for all people. So there's all these ideas going on, all this elitism. And, and Paul's going like, we need to understand what it says. Uh, and then in verse 9, it says, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, uh, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. So Paul could have kept going on, right? He could have kept going on with that list, but he mentions a few things, and he says, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. And when he's writing to this church, who's got a new pastor in Timothy, and he's telling them, you've got to have right relationships. Do you have somebody who's your Paul? Do you have somebody who's your Timothy? Do you have this foundation of love for like how you approach every situation? Right? Because we can't beat each other up. That's not what we should be about here. Um, that's not what we should be about with other believers who are maybe struggling, who maybe just need a place to belong. Like, have you ever thought about that? Like, you know, I know that person's a believer, but you know, do, are they involved anywhere? Like, maybe you should just invite them. <laughs> Invite them here uh, to be a part of what we're doing because everybody needs a place to belong. And he says, whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. So here, what do we believe? That Jesus Christ came, that he lived this in this life, that he died on the cross for our sins. And if we believe that, if we confess that with our mouth, then we'll have eternal life. And Paul's saying we can't depart from that. We can't say it's about the gospel and then all these other things. We can't say it's about the gospel, and you have to do all this stuff. You have to be in. You, you have to, you know, give a certain amount of money to the church, or you have to um, live a certain way. Or you have to help with VBS. Which, when I say that, of course, everybody helps out with VBS, right? So we're good there, right? So you know, he's not saying these things like unless you do this, unless you do this. No, Paul's saying everything that we do has got to be built off this foundation of relationships, of love and have understanding. And this will help us as we move through First Timothy. I'm really excited about this. So we're gonna do First Timothy and Second Timothy. And Paul's laying this foundation for how the church is supposed to work and operate and how we're supposed to treat each other. We're supposed to have these relationships for one thing, in love and in understanding. And then he closes out with this verse, verse 11. In accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. So all this is supposed to be carried out within the realm of the gospel. So if something comes up, if an idea comes up, if somebody's in the church, somebody's outside of the church, if you have a relationship with somebody and they say something that maybe is not quite right, maybe that's just an opportunity for us to speak love into the situation. And especially with those within our church and especially with those to which we have these 
Timothy relationships with. And again, maybe it's your kids who are just like constantly going like, no, this is, yeah, here's what sound doctrine is. Here's what is right practice. Here's what obeying the law looks like. And Paul's going, hey, all of this, relationships, love, understanding the law, he said, it's built on this, this foundation of the gospel in accordance with the gospel, the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. Um, man, so if it does not match up to the gospel, if, the, if, if something doesn't sound right again, it's probably not right. If it departs from what the truth is, and I know this church has been here for almost 202 years, so this is maybe not a place you'd expect to come into from an outsider's perspective and go like, they're saying some things that don't quite sound right. Hopefully that would never be the case here. And I, I think I have an idea of why the church is still here. Why? Because the church is held close to what? Held fast, the word of life, the truth. And that's what we have to continue to be about. So no matter what else is going on, no matter what else seems right, no matter what else is going on in the culture, um, just like Paul says to Timothy, there's some things we need to remember. You've got to have these relationships. You've got to have love. You're screaming and yelling at each other, being mean, right? That doesn't do any good. And we need to have understanding of what the Word tells us. So I'll close with this, because I think we're in a couple of different places. And I know we're all in like different parts of the train track in life and, um, and the space in life, wherever we're at. And um, I know all of us think, like, mine is the hardest. <laughs> Wherever I'm at right now is probably the hardest. Um, but the truth is we can all learn something from each other. And I think there's some of you in here, maybe listen online, maybe you're struggling. Like, maybe you're just a struggling believer and you're going, like, I know that's the truth, but there are other things that seem right and I'm just not sure at times. Like, and I get pulled away. And I just need to be pulled back into the truth. Um, what I want to encourage you with is this. If you're struggling, if you need help with something, whatever it is, um, talk to somebody. You know, I know Greg mentioned it um, several months ago. And um, continue to pray for Greg. He's away on work. And um, I think about him all the time. I told him that this morning. I was texting him. Hey, I'm praying for you, man. And um, I want to encourage you, just like um, he did uh, with us, that when we um, think about this with somebody who's struggling, like say something. Say something to somebody. And maybe it's not me. And maybe you're not at that point where you can say something to me. That's okay. Um, but say something to somebody who's in this community of faith. Because we're here for each other. We've got these relationships. We've got this love. We've got this understanding. Um, that maybe that's just where you're at. And you just need to move into a space of a more solid faith, more solid doctrine. So ask some questions if you're struggling. Uh, maybe you're a faithful believer in here. And so um, praise God for you as well, for anybody who's in here who's like, I've been going to church since before I was born. Like, Mom, we, we were here at church, and like we, you know, in the womb. Um, like, that's what Sydney will be able to say. She's in the womb right now. She's listening to this, right? And uh, she's going like, yeah, we were in church before I was born. Um, if that was you, um, then be an encouragement to other people. Maybe you need to be the Paul in somebody else's life. Like, somebody's just needing that, like you to come alongside them and be like, hey, you're doing good. Like, keep it, keep it up. Keep in the faith. Let me tell you some areas where you can make some adjustments. Part of that's life experience, but part of it's just what God's Word says. Sometimes we just need a little bit of a redirect, right? <clears throat> but maybe you're in here, um, and you're this, what would be on this third track. You're an unbeliever, and you're somebody who doesn't know God. You don't have a relationship with Him. And so what I want to encourage you in is that if you're like thoroughly confused and you don't know God, that's okay because you don't know Him. But what we believe is, and maybe you'd like to make this decision today if you're here in person or online, um, is you can, you can do this. You can walk into a relationship with God. You can get on the tracks of having faith and be a part of a community. Uh, and it goes like this. It, admit you're a sinner. Everybody is. We all make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. Uh, B, believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died on the cross for our sins. We celebrated this just a few weeks ago. That What did he do? Well, he got up. The stone was rolled away. 
He conquered sin and death so that we could have eternal life, so that we could be with God in heaven forever. We don't have to worry about that. Um, you may think, I'm scared of those kind of things, death, whatever. Well, we, if you know where you're going, it's a little bit less of a worry. It's a little bit less of a concern, isn't it? Uh, and just like that guy I had a conversation with this week, um, he needed some hope, having a tough day. Um, he said, I saw your girls <laughs> smiling and waving, and he said, I was wondering if there was still a God until I saw them. And that, that gave me hope. That gave me encouragement. So whatever it is today, uh, maybe you need to make that decision. Maybe you're just struggling. I'd like to encourage you to uh, make that decision if you haven't. If you're struggling, you need hope. Um, you need to connect with somebody. Um, do that before you leave this place. Uh, so what I'd like to do is pray for us, um, and then we'll close. Okay, uh, Father, we, uh, we come into this place, and there's a lot of things weighing on our minds and our hearts. And uh, God, we're on this um, journey of uh, enduring faith. Some of us feel like we can't do it anymore. Um, some of us feel like we've been doing it so long, it's just second nature. Uh, and God, I just pray for wherever we're at, um, each one of us, I pray that we can find those relationships of maybe just a Paul to a Timothy or a Timothy to a Paul. Um, God, if we haven't maybe gone about things the right way in the past, maybe if we've turned people off to um, the gospel, to the church, um, help us to understand what it looks like to live in a loving way in our community of faith. Um, and also outside of these walls, how can we be an encouraging um, source of hope? Um, when somebody sees us, they know that we have this unconditional love, um, not just for our community of faith, but for them. Um, and then lastly, God, I just want to um, ask you that when we think about what's wrong and what's right, that you would give us understanding. Um, we know that uh, Solomon asked for that. We didn't ask for anything else. Um, we pray that like him, you would give us wisdom, um, understanding, and discernment, um, that we would know the truth, that we would never depart from it. Um, this place would continue to be um, a pillar of hope and um, of what we talked about, love and understanding in this community uh, for your purposes and what you want. Help us to measure everything according to the gospel, which is what you've given us. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you, church. Have a wonderful Sunday and um, good weather uh, while it lasts, while you're at